Okay, yeah, go ahead and record. I like a little soft intro. Hi! Almost Modern Live, a podcast so butch, so masked. Are we surprised? No, but do we expect it? Yes. yes. Recorded in front of a live studio audience. What? Like, maybe not. No. <laughs> was that as good for you as it was for me? Yeah, no. Andy, I found my new favorite thing is... A gallon of Milo's sh- sugar-free sweet tea. Okay, I mean sweet tea's not my thing. Tea in general, really. Sweet is it, we're getting closer to where we need to be, which is soda. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, uh, there is you, some like like what if- Arizona green tea. That's pretty good. Could you sh- soda stream? Iced tea? I'm sure you can. But then it'd be like a, well, it'd be like a truly tea without the alcohol, just carbonated tea Mm. drink. I think I'm realizing it's really the carbonation I like in things as well. Yeah. Like that's why I like Topo Chico. Because Topo Chico is like full of bubbles. Maybe I'll make myself some sparkling water tonight. Throw some lemon in it. You know what? I found a soda stream hiding away in a closet up here. And I I'm, bet you could have it. I bet I can have it. I'm gonna. I bet you it. wouldn't even have to ask. Just take it. It's <laughs> I like bet they wouldn't even notice. The yeah, I'm like, I don't feel like y'all are y'all are doing this with the fact that y'all are buying buying things. Because like, I mean, I would like to pump some sodas. Pump some sodas. That makes it sound like you're a breastfeeding woman, but <laughs> instead of milk, it's just it's soda. Soda. That would be me as a woman. <laughs> so, uh, for a dollar, Maybe. name a woman. For a dollar, um, Sarah Silverman. Yoga bag. Name a woman. Oh, love that. <laughs> Sorry. You know we always say that, but no one ever names a woman. Um. Yeah. Anyway. It is hard. Uh, do you know what else is hard? Hi. Hi, I'm Tyler. And I'm Andy. And this is Homo Homo's Modern, Modern Life. Life. A podcast where, I don't know, we drink sweet tea or don't. You know what? It's your prerogative. Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. Um. I am still in Frisco at the moment, um, surrounded by dogs who are disturbingly quiet at the moment. Um, we'll see how far that goes. Just, uh, wait until but, you see how many dead rabbits are downstairs. Oh, oh man. I've been like, we Arlo encountered her first rabbit the other day and she didn't really know what to think. Um yeah. I'm afraid that if she gets loose, she's going to attack a rabbit because she thinks it's a toy. Right. Um, or food. Horrifying. Or food. You know, but I don't you know. I think... You can't deny her her animal instincts, Tyler. So, she's a wolf. So there's a there's a thing. I don't know who told me this where in my life, but like, like, when an, a dog kills an animal like that, like mentally it unlocks something in them that like yes. makes them more aggressive. I believe that. I mean, your first taste of blood, you never go back. <laughs> and Arlo is just such like a little like titty baby. Like, I'm sorry, she's a titty baby. She's a titty baby. I don't like that mental image. <laughs> Like she's a she's a wimp. Uh, we went outside for at night. Like that's what second. that means. <laughs> a wimp. A titty baby is a wimp. I'm a sexy little baby. <laughs> I. Am that's I? Not a, no, that's not a thing. I've used titty baby is a, a phrase. No, it's not. Titty, titty baby? baby. Titty baby. Yeah. It just titty sounds like a baby with baby. tits. <laughs> my milk, 
<laughs> Big fucking tits. <laughs> titty baby, do you often hear the phrase titty baby as a kid or is it a distinctly Southern phrase? Titty Not baby, myself. one who... One who is so whiny that he would likely be seen sucking on a nipple such as an infant. Titty baby. Wow. All right. <laughs> um, you know, just more of Tyler's country coming out. I mean, uh, I mean, no. Colin says he was afraid to look it up. Now, I'm not joking, bitch. Afraid. That's a first. You know what, what's out there? Porn. Porn. Illegal porn. Titty baby. Titty baby porn. Yeah. No. It's just a it's a good old old southern phrase. No. Uh it's neither good. Well, it might be old, but it's not good. It's not good. Yeah. You said good old, and it's not good. I don't like good it. Good old. Good old. Never want to uh, hear well, it. Well, regardless. Titty babies are real. Um, and they're out there. And you own one of them. Arlo um, but yeah we went outside at night which she was already scared because she was like what and then the sprinklers are going off and she was like I absolutely cannot leave the like front yard of this house yeah. I was like wow okay Mom, are you sure this water sanitary seems like a nice neighborhood to walk around though it is quite a lovely neighborhood everyone has really good lawns yeah like really, really good lawns. I bet all the sidewalks are immaculate. Yeah. I mean, like literally. I like the like, sidewalks here. All our sidewalks over here are slanted and broken. Yeah. And, it looks like at one point, from what I can tell from walking around, that like I guess one had cracked a little bit. So they literally replaced like the whole intersection. The of whole the slab. Yeah. Mm. Like man, it, you know, the this money intimidating about having a house. It's like up here, like you have to like all this manicuring you have to do in the front. Everyone has beautiful front little gardens. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, all the houses looks similar, but not exactly. Oh yeah, I would get lost so, so easily. I got lost. You got lost? <laughs> lost. Am I wrong? I, I won't lie. I took, I, I, I'm still training for this job. So like, my brain is there's already I'm, so much new information so much new information into your head I, i'm i'm loving it like i i love what this is like i feel like i joined at a really good time so a lot of these things that i'm learning are about to be either automated or like take taken over by someone else but it's still good for me to know you know yeah um but uh so I like took her out really quickly, like in between my meetings, like literally meetings, meetings all day long. Cause if I'm not in a meeting, I'm in a training over zoom. Right. She's a busy businesswoman. Busy. Um, and I like took her out and like, we walked one way and I was like, I lost where the house was. I literally <laughs> was like, where are we? Did we go past the house? And I like had to like, the only thing that like, let me know where I am is there's this really a front garden that has these really strange I was mm. like okay that's the only reason I know where it is and thank god Holly's house has two ginormous you know what I mean that's quite the combo so god bless also maybe I'm giving away too much information so Colin yeah. you're gonna go and bleep what kind of flags they are um <laughs> I'm just a professional doing a job. And I'm addressing it now, but they've already been bleeped. Thank you. I love that. <laughs> um, I was a. I have to remember not to triangulate like where I live sure. or where I am. Cause like, you know, your know. family or my family. So they don't get taken. Taken. Yeah. I am no Liam Nielsen. I can't even say his name. <laughs> Liam Nielsen ratings. Um, yeah, I was awoken yesterday by an explosion. Oh. Uh, you took it very, very um, calmly, which I, I would not have been such. <sighs> well, it happened pretty early in the morning. And yeah, I woke up to this big boom. And I was like, well, and the power went out. Like, well, this sucks. Mm, I just bought a whole gallon of no half gallon of ice oh, cream no. oh. of ice cream in my freezer um so i got up and 
I checked the circuit breaker. None of the, you know, thingies were flipped and it wasn't on fire. Then I went outside, made sure that nothing outside was on fire. Then I made a report to Encore. And by that point, it was like 630. And I was like, well, you know, I have a couple more hours to sleep before I have to figure anything out. If I want to shower, the water's still going to be hot in the water heater. I'll just have to shower in the dark. Mm -hmm. I was like, if I need to, I can go up to the burbs and get Tyler's keys from him and then squat at his place. Yes. Until I have power again. Um, But by the time it was like 8.30, the power's back on. So that's that is really magical Uh, it was just i was i i was chill and everything worked out i mean that's that is something we should all take into our daily lives yeah you know um and uh it's something i will never master (laughs) yeah i was just sitting here like well i guess i can't open my fridge or freezer um I have meal delivery service on the way, mm-hmm. which will require refrigeration. Or you eat them all. <laughs> or you just eat them all. And then that's all my calories for the, like all my, you know, I just don't have to eat lunch the rest of the week. It'll yeah. be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how it uh, works. Yeah. I don't know. It was like an uh, interesting start to the week. Also, I was hungover and sore from my pool day so (sighs) i'm really today was my monday yeah even though it's tuesday yeah it's been a long week already it really has and like this training is they they're like it's a three-week process three weeks three weeks it's like crash course and by thursday i'll be like answering clients communications which i'm like oh okay um but yeah i mean it's been really easy and really fun it's kind of fun to learn kind of about a new industry yeah but still feel really comfortable because it's a lot of the stuff i've been doing like they do zoom presentations that are hour long i'm like girl i have taught a five hour class like uh, this is nothing nothing but we just have to be available to answer a chat if it comes through and their chats are like one or two an hour. I was like, again, girl, this is nothing, you know? Nothing. So the volume is much lower um, and it's a lot easier to work because I'm not dealing with shipping. Um, <laughs> I, any of you listeners who deal with shipping as part of your job, um, you just, what? this whole year has been a mess. A I, mess. I just I feel like that's from like a show. Like, what do you do? I work in, you know, shipping and receiving and import export. Does that ring a bell? No. Oh, okay. The office, maybe. Uh. Speaking of the office, we need to catch up on the bold type. And speaking of things we need to catch up on, I still haven't watched the finale of Drag Race Down Under. And I don't know who oh. won. And I haven't oh, spoiled it's already it out. I haven't spoiled it for myself yet. No, yeah. I haven't. Like, I've been so busy. <laughs> it's been out almost a week at this point. You know? I've been so busy. I don't even done know. Yeah. Damn. I know. Wow. And right before this, I was catching up on The Bachelorette because I didn't watch it last night. And All Stars? All Stars starts in three days. I mean, our it's a busy TV schedule that we're, we're in, on right we're now. We're in the thick of it. And yet I I'm did. still finding time to catch up on yet another season of Survivor. Do you watch TV while you work? Sometimes. Usually not in the mornings. Like my mornings are like my really productive time where I like really actually get shit done. Mine's the opposite. I'm afternoons. Oh, really? I like, I need to like wake up and like, if I'm going to do shit, it's like the morning is like my bullshit after I eat and like get going. Like 
than my afternoons. I power to about three o'clock from like 12 to three o'clock. That's my power time. And then everything else is I'm using. See, while I'm eating lunch is when I turn the TV on and then it kind of just stays on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I'm just not like a very like good afternoon. That afternoon slump really hits me hard. Yeah. So I'm thinking about uh, rearranging my entire living room. Do you think Brandon would have a problem with that? Uh, considering he's spent maybe 24 hours there in the past month. I think not. (laughs) I love you, Brandon. I'm sure you maybe still listen. So hopefully you hear my voice every now and then and remember me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, I, yeah. Um, I just like, I want to like move the TV over and take that little alcove and make it my little desk area instead of the TV area. Since now I have a shrunken TV. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm in the, I'm in the mood for change. I have a new job and like, when are you not in the mood for change? You know, but like, there's something about like getting a new job that usually means like a new environment for a lot of people that started at this company, like recently, like their change has maybe been from like working, you know, some come from restaurant industry. So working a restaurant to like working from home full time or whatnot. And I'm just like, I feel like, like, I don't get the, the the thing about this is like, I don't get the like new office, like a new desk, you know, new setup type situation. Like I'm getting right. a new monitor, but like how exciting is that? You know? Yeah. So I feel like I just like, I need to like be in a new place and surroundings and yeah. find a lot of the that. excitement and anticipation of the first day of a new job is, is gone for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I did start in a new location by being. You did. That's true. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a little, little bitty, bitty, titty baby break. And titty baby break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck you. When we come back, (laughs) we're joined with some very special guests. So hang around. Welcome back. We are joined with two very special guests, Alonzo Duraldi and Dave White. They are film critics for The Wrap, as well as hosts of the podcast, Linoleum Knife. Welcome, Alonzo and Dave. Hey, thank you. Hey, y'all. Awesome. So for our listeners who, who are not familiar with you guys already, tell us a little bit about your podcast and, and your time with uh, The Wrap. Oh gosh! Well, that's two questions. Uh, the uh, the podcast. Well, the the, the 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 being a film critic came first. Yes, yes. Okay. We we've both been film critics for a long time. Uh, I've I've done a lot of festival programming, including the USA Film Festival in Dallas. Uh, and then uh, we started a podcast, Linoleum Knife, in the fall of 2010. Uh, basically, because I at the time had been doing two different TV shows that both got canceled at the same time, mm-hmm. and I they wanted were, they were film review shows. Yes, yes, I was the yeah. Rotten Tomato mm-hmm. show on Current, and then this show that nobody remembers on IFC called The Grid. Uh, and I just thought I want a thing that only I can cancel, and so I, <laughs> I coerced Dave into doing a podcast with me yep. uh, against his will at first, but then he's he, now he's into it, and it's been ten plus years. And then I've been at the wrap. I think it's gonna be ten years in July. All right. Yeah, I was looking it up recently. My first review was for like the third Transformers movie. I think. No. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, we are like lifelong film nerds, and I've been I've been writing about movies since I was at least for my high school paper. So it, it's just been a, a, a lifelong obsession. You left out the most thrilling detail. Oh, do we're married? Well, I thought I thought <laughs> that might. I was going to ask. I, uh, it has not yet been spoken on a microphone Sorry. on this podcast. <laughs> yes, we've been together now, for 26 years. Yeah, 26 years this year. What also maybe hasn't uh, been clarified for the audience is who, whose voice belongs to who? Oh, uh, Dave is the Velvet Lawnmower and uh, uh, I'm Alonzo. Great. <laughs> that's, a, that's a name uh, one ten, of our listeners came up with. So you've been podcasting for 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tyler, can you imagine what we're going to be talking about in 10 years? I was looking in the mirror a little while ago thinking how I used to be so young and beautiful. Now I'm just beautiful. (laughs) Oh, my. 
it's already off the rails at two, how two years. Times, so. How many times can we talk about how to be a better bottom? You know what I mean? I think we're at four. They're going to come up with new ways. New ways will come about. Science is always leading us forward into a beautiful <laughs> tomorrow. I listened to your last uh, episode about, you know, the fiber advice. Yes. So that's, did you know you that they make us a, a fiber now just marketed to Queer oh, men bottoms? who want a yes. bottom. Yeah. Well, there's pure for men. There's also one called um, Colon Broom. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. <laughs> which I think is great. I'm not really a horse. I'm a broom. On your podcast, Linoleum Knife, is that uh, more of flexing your critic muscles or is it more of talking about films in general? Yes. Um, no, basically, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we don't talk about films in terms of like, oh, we're previewing the, you know, next month's Marvel no. movie or whatever. It's a review show. We're, we're talking about the films that are out that week. But uh, because we live in Los Angeles and, and actually in the last year, because of the pandemic, everybody had access to this kind of stuff. There's always reissues going on. There's like a new 4K restoration of this old French mm. or Chinese or African film. You know, there's stuff. Or the Snyder on. Cut. Kalel, no. Kalel, no. <laughs> the Snyder Cut, absolutely. Right. You know, Same thing, yeah, right? I was gonna say stuff premiering on streaming services, um, but it's also you know it's a very chatty show. Like I think there, if people are tuning in for like hard film criticism for an hour, uh, a lot of times well, we lose those listeners because it takes us fifteen minutes to get there because we're just talking about you know whose turn it is to do the dishes. The show format runs like this. We spend the first 10 minutes talking about what I'm making for dinner. <laughs> then we talk about the films that have been released that week and we review them. Mm-hmm. And in those reviews, we digress uh, frequently, healthily, to talking about anything we damn well please. And then we get back to the review and then we recommend some old movie that's streaming or on DVD. We read mm-hmm. listener mail. We argue about something and then we finish that's great i love a you know a nice little rabbit trail Mm -hmm. that's that's the majority of this show for sure the best compliment we ever get and i'm sure you guys do too because it's kind of a conversational podcast is people say oh it feels like i'm at the kitchen table with you guys which is where which is where we are right now which is where we record our shows and you know we it's not like we ever sat down and mapped this out it's just how we talk to each other right yeah. We would be having this conversation anyway. We just decided to turn a mic on. Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is going to be a really broad question. So I apologize in advance. Why movies for you guys? Oh, well, uh, <laughs> when I was a little kid, mm-hmm. it was the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And you could still uh, take a child of age oh, 07 or eight drop that kid off at a local movie theater, go do your grocery shopping and come back when the movie was over and pick that kid up. Babysitter. I was one of three boys in a baseball obsessed home. And I did not want to play baseball. I did not want to watch baseball. I didn't want to think about baseball. I didn't want to hear about baseball or any other sports really. I wanted to watch movies. Uh, when I was about four years old, my mom took me to see a reissue of 101 Dalmatians. My dad took me to see a reissue of the Jungle Book. No, 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 actually not a reissue of the, the Jungle original Book. Release. It was the original release <laughs> of the Jungle Book. Um, as I said, I'm 57. And so <laughs> something about that experience, those experiences, flipped a switch in my little tiny child brain. And if I was at home, and the TV was on, I was hunting for whatever movie was on the TV. Um, And every Saturday afternoon, again, this is the 1970s, where there was this situation in American uh, theaters uh, where where children's films or films, you know, that could be consumed by children like uh, Godzilla movies, or Abbott and Costello comedies or National Velvet, you know, with Elizabeth Taylor. A mix of old and new movies for kids would wind up in movie theaters every Saturday and Sunday, and they would be children's matinees. Kitty matinees. Yeah. And so my mom would just drop me off 
and I was in second grade and that was fine with her and fine with me. And I loved going alone. And that was a, the beginning of a lifelong obsession with film. And it obviously it didn't, it wasn't the only thing that I became obsessed with culturally uh, over the course of my life, but it's the, it's, it, it lasted until one day I decided, what if I uh, wrote a review for this, in 1999, I changed careers and I, I was hired to write a couple movie reviews, movie reviews for a website that no longer exists. And I've been doing it for the past 20, fixing to be 22 years yeah. now. So that is, you know, the hobby that became a job. And Alonzo uh, started even earlier. Yeah. I mean, uh, my deal is it, it's sort of like, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie searching for Bobby Fisher, but like this little kid who winds up being a chess prodigy, he goes to the park, sees two people playing chess like one time. And it just so fixes in his head that he goes home and like creates a chessboard in his room out of like stuffed animals and stuff. And I, I had this very early imprinting where like, uh, at the age of three, I learned to read by going through all the listings in the newspaper of what movies were showing in what theaters. I could tell you what was showing anywhere in our neighborhood, even though like I wasn't really even going to movies yet. Um, I grew up in a household where my mom liked film a lot and we would watch them on TV and stuff. And then as I got, you know, as I was about, I think, nine years old, my oldest brother um, came back from Harvard. And um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I like to mock him about this. Anyway. <laughs> But there had been a big sort of explosion of kind of old Hollywood uh, uh, interest and, and, and things going on in the 70s. So he had these books that were about like Greta Garbo and W.C. Fields and Groucho mm -hmm. Marx and MGM musicals and that kind of thing. And I just absorbed those books as a, as a little kid and would like circle the TV guide every week looking for like Hitchcock movies or Godzilla or whatever else that, you know, mm -hmm. I found appealing. So it's been it's been a thing with me and like you know uh when i was 11 i i, I made my mother drive me across town to the one repertory theater in, in atlanta because I, I had to see citizen kane i knew it was important and i kept hearing about it it never came on tv and they were showing it i was like okay you have to take me to see this um now, so yeah, what was, was that just, term you just used repertory theater yes uh they don't really do that anymore the the vcr well, they do cable, they do it in los angeles yeah they do them here yeah. repertory theaters uh they used to have uh, dallas actually had them at the granada the granada back in right. the day in the, it was a repertory yeah, theater really, and that, yeah. they would they would put out a calendar and every day every couple of days they would have like double features of old movies and it would be mm -hmm. like here's two you know marilyn monroe movies here's two westerns here's two like you know mm -hmm. trippy science fiction movies whatever and um you know like that until the VCR and cable killed them, most big cities and even like college towns had at least one of them. And luckily LA still does. But yeah, that was that was a, a thing that I was able to have access to as a child, you know, to be brought up in a family where, hey, let's drive to the silver screen and see, you know, the 1939 Wuthering Heights, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, but Although weirdly enough, like I grew up in a family of doctors, so it wasn't like anybody encouraged me to follow this as a career, you know, I think it was a, a nice hobby or whatever. And then when I turned it into my actual job, uh, that took some convincing, but you know, here I am. Yeah, that's awesome. I do First, think um, uh, in Dallas, we have there, I feel like they're not really theaters in the sense that that's all they do now, but they definitely have a, uh, a selection. But I think the Texas theater, if I'm I was correct, fixing to say, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes, I thought I, I thought I knew the Texas Dallas? theater was still doing this sometimes. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I've seen posters and they're always they I think they tend to lean more art house or obscure mm -hmm. um, than the classics. But the Alamo Draft House in Austin, the one on Sixth Street at the time, they did a lot of that as well. Cause I remember going to see like North by Northwest. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, Cause I was like, Oh, it's on the big screen. Like, why not? You know, like I'm never going to see this any bigger, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. First time I saw psycho was when uh, Tyler and I went and saw it at the Angelica. I forgot we did that. Oh, oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's so, a cool, I mean like 
I think the closest thing people have now in general is like when Fathom Events will do like a TCM yeah. thing and they'll screen like <laughs> Sunset Boulevard or something. But, you know, this exactly. used to be a, a lot more common thing and, and you would get you could get a really kind of broad film education just by between what was on TV, if you didn't mind the commercials on mm -hmm. like local stations, you know, or like the things you would see in, in, in theaters like this. What we are really lucky to have uh, here in Los Angeles um, are well, we have a, a, we have one dedicated repertory uh, house that is owned by Quentin Tarantino uh -huh. and programmed from his personal archive. Yeah, all they show is thirty five millimeter thirty five millimeter prints. But we also have uh, the American Cinematheque, which operates in two different movie theaters in the city, and they show old stuff constantly uh, every Christmas. Alonzo and I and our friends will go across town to Santa Monica to this old movie theater called The Arrow because roughly December 21st, 22nd, they're going to screen It's a Wonderful Life. And so we never have to watch that at home. We get to go see it every year on a big screen. Projected with an, with an audience. And when I leave that thing, when I leave that movie every year, and pretty much any time I get to go see an old movie on a big screen in LA, I, I leave that screening and I think to myself, I'm so happy I live here, you yeah. know, yes. because when I was young in Dallas, we had that there. And I watched as, as I grew older, I watched it shrink mm -hmm. and it, it, it broke my heart because I, I think to myself, every city, every medium sized or large city should have a movie theater that just plays old movies. That yeah. shouldn't be uh, a weird, unusual thing. It should happen everywhere. And I, I wish that were still the case. That's the one way that you're going to get nostalgia out of my face. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I'm not interested in it. But I like the idea of being able to see old movies on a screen in a movie theater. Yeah. And Alamo yeah. was doing them for a minute. And then they pretty much switched full mainstream. And now they're pretty much closing all of their locations so it it was it was a big shift i feel like for them but they if anyone was going to bring it in soon it was going to be them so now all that's left yeah. is the tiny little indie ones like texas theater mm. Mm -hmm. so well, if you live near one support it <laughs> yeah and have so having not been able to go to the theater and see movies for you know the past year do you think that has I mean, obviously, I, I can tell from the way that you talk about watching movies in theaters that that is something you love to do. So I'm sure yeah. it's been a tough year. But do you think it's affected maybe your reviews of the movies to only be able to watch them at home? Um, I would I mean, say obviously you try to be unbiased and it uh, depends. <laughs> it depends on the film. Yeah, there is a, a really stark divide now i think in the world of movie going mm -hmm. there are what martin scorsese recently referred to as audiovisual entertainments like mm -hmm. every superhero movie fast and the furious franchise a big giant tentpole blockbuster uh, hopeful film yeah those are cinematic experiences um, but, and, 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 and they, I think require as big a screen and as loud of a sound system as possible because they are pretty much That's sensation. They're yeah, sensation they're based. Theme park rides. Yeah. Um, this <laughs> yeah. is, this is, this is industrial filmmaking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there's the art house where, you know, 1% of the film going population goes and the films come from everywhere uh, in the world, uh, sometimes including the United States. Um, but that is where you get, you know, movies that people think of as small or yeah. quiet or, you know what I mean? AKA the A24 films. Uh, yeah, oh, beyond that. To, 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 to some degree, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't discard the A24 yeah. films. They're not not yeah. that, but I mean, we're I'm talking... talking about, I'm talking about the Romanian New Wave. I'm talking <laughs> about films from Thailand, uh, you know. First Cow. Yeah. And so the, the, the thing about that is 
when I have over the past year and a half, when I haven't been in a movie theater, which was the longest that either Alonzo or I have not been inside a movie theater, what I found difficult about watching the big movies was the smallness of our television. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because oh, we would you know a saying, good solution for that? Uh, a bigger television. There, there, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> you, you could. Uh, the the thing is, is that we don't have like a doctor's waiting room television. It's just not ginormous. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is that you we would get sent publicity links from the mm. from the from the from the publicists so that we could watch the film. Alonzo could write his review. We could talk about it on the podcast. Um, but here's a good here's a good example in the Heights. Currently mm. in currently in theaters and on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apparently, I don't keep a lot of track of the box office, but apparently it didn't make a lot of money at theaters, but people are watching it at home. Yeah, I watched it at home. But also, it's it's designed like an old, like Rodgers and Hammerstein musical where it's supposed to be on this giant, like, I always think of the TCM example of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, where they Mm -hmm. show the like three quarter inch and then like the widescreen. It's really kind of the same thing. It's all massive visuals you want i watched in the heights at home on the couch with the press the press link and i thought i like that very much and as i watched it i thought oh man i need this on the screen at the chinese on hollywood boulevard Mm -hmm. this the the chinese theater on hollywood boulevard is the biggest screen in los angeles and i thought wouldn't it be great to see it there yeah i luckily got to see it on the warner brothers lot so i i and in watching, I thought, oh, this is definitely going to lose something on television. Um, the weird thing about the last year with all of that is, in a way, it's been kind of a leveler because for the last couple of years, um, it has been, I guess, cost prohibitive for smaller distributors with smaller movies to go through the, the expense of renting a screening room and hiring a projectionist and doing all the stuff you have to do to do an in-person screening. So more often than not, yeah, we'll get invited to go to an AMC theater to see a Fast and Furious movie or to see a big superhero thing. But when it comes time to talk about the Thai film that's going to show on one screen, they'll send you a link and you watch it on your laptop or you'll watch it on your TV. So in the last year, everything got that treatment. So Wonder Woman 1984 weighed the same as, you know... um, the reissue of Goodbye Dragon. The reissue of Goodbye Dragon. <laughs> yeah, so something like that. So, so that was kind of interesting. I, what I mainly missed was the audience. Um, there were movies mm-hmm. where I would enjoy sitting with, like Christy Lemire, my co-host on Breakfast All Day, and other friends of ours who are critics, going to those screenings and just reacting to something together, whether it's some horror movie or a big action thing, like Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. I so want to see Mm. that with an audience because I bet that movie kills with a crowd and I've only seen it at home with Dave. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. you definitely don't laugh out loud as much to a movie, like a comedy when you're watching it at home. Yeah, it's it's like the subconscious laugh track, but it's in real life because people are actually laughing. So, and laughter is contagious as we all know. Can I tell you what I loved about the pandemic? I know this is horrible. Mm. A horrible way to start this sentence. Um, (laughs) Because there was nothing to love about the pandemic. But what did happen is that if you had an internet connection, you could see anything. Mm-hmm. Because what started happening was that not only did the big movies go to streaming services, but if you are a fan of the art house and if you are a fan of world cinema, then what you got to have was access access to stuff that might have only played on one screen at, say, a film forum in New York and might have never even come to any other big city, much less a medium-sized city. Yeah. So the virtual cinema experience last year, which is still continuing through lots of the art house uh, 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 theaters in the country, because they realized there's an audience out there, you know, kind of hungry for this stuff, but they don't have access to it. You know, you can watch, Alonzo just mentioned a reissue of a 2003 film uh, by a, a, a Taiwanese director named Tsai Ming Lang. 
the name of the film is Goodbye Dragon Inn. It is such a beautiful, beautiful film. It got a reissue at, on virtual cinemas, uh, in virtual cinemas via, you know, the internet. And you could watch it at home if you have never had a chance to see it before. That was something that kept me sane during the pandemic. Because I got to see yeah. movies, you know, tucked away in the bedroom, in a chair, on my laptop, with the headphones on. And it made me feel like I was not locked in my home. Yeah. there. I think, so I, I think back, like when I was uh, around 18 to early 20s, I went through a very big film phase of, um, I was very into Lynch, um, went down the rabbit hole of Guy Madden, um, uh, among others, but like trying to find Guy Madden films and like yeah. reading about them and hearing it, like there was a lot of illegal downloads and I apologize to everybody, but I, there was where I, I wasn't <laughs> going to get them the anywhere else. If the copyright holder isn't going to make it accessible, then you got to go get it where you yeah. can get it. No but apologies. Now, that um like there's so many films like straight up just like having the criterion collection as like something you can subscribe to and watch mm -hmm. things like seventh seal or there's um uh, a french film called diabolique um which yeah. i think is just a version of single white female it someone else remade it <laughs> there's a there's a very am i bizarre... wrong <laughs> I believe kind of came first and all, but uh, I see yeah. where you're going with that. It's the same way Mick, uh, Lion King is uh, Hamlet or something. <laughs> yeah, there's a very bizarre uh, French version of Beauty and the Beast in the Criterion Collection. Oh, yeah, I... Jean Cocteau. Great yes. gay director. Yeah. It was, he was that... banging the beast. You need to know these people. <gasps> what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. The actor that played the beast was Jean Marais. Yeah, Jean Marais. That's they were incredible. Yeah, I love that version of the movie, but it is it is old cinema. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love a good old nightmarish cinema. Like that's definitely my vibe. Well, awesome. Well, we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, you are going to knife my top 10 movie list. So I'm excited about that. I think you're gonna be impressed, also confused why all these films are on my list, but we'll find out when we return. Welcome back, everyone. In place of our pod Q&A, we are going through uh, my top 10. It's actually a top 11, but I'll explain in a minute. Um, movie list. Um, now, can you explain what it means to knife a list? Yes. Um, early on in the you know evolution of the podcast, uh, people started sending us lists of their favorite movies just they wanted to tell us we mm -hmm. encouraged we encouraged people to you know email us and tell us whatever they want to tell us mm -hmm. and I, I don't know who did it first but somebody emailed their top 10 movies to us and i got the list and we said all right let's go read this person's list and then be merciless about their taste mm -hmm. and in in you know a playful loving kind friendly way mm -hmm. Uh, we, uh, you know, shred our listeners if they don't like good movies. Yeah. So we when, want better. It's things. like when people tweet at Wendy's and say, please roast me, Wendy's. Yes. And so <laughs> exactly. So like um, if you give us 10 movies and we think that uh, six of them are good and four of them are shit, then we will say you are 60% knife because the, the name of the show is Linoleum Knife. Perfect. It's pretty ridiculous, but you know, it's become a fixture. People like it. <laughs> so that's what we do. Yeah. And we're going to go through Tyler's list because I have some sort of psychological block that disallows me from creating top 10 rankings of anything in my life. Me too. Oh, <laughs> that instinct because everybody on the internet wants lists all the time and I hate it. Yep. Amen. <laughs> Who are we? BuzzFeed? Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, we we put Tyler's feet to the coals and he was able to come up with Yes. I out of the two of us, I am most certainly the movie lover. I always want to go to the movies. I love I I've been through such a renaissance of movies from my mom getting me into Diane Keaton's rom-com uh Baby Boom 
oh yeah stuff all the way to uh like i said the dark twisted world of lynch now i just want very visually pretty and interesting stories is where i tend to land however most of my uh favorite films are the ones that i feel like really uh shaped me and they are in no particular order because I cannot rank one above the other to me. That's but right. these are like the one, there is like a top three. So I will save those till All that. Right. All right, cool. Um, so the first one I have on there is uh, Amelie, which I feel like I know is really basic bitch French, you know, whatever. But it is such a good movie and I love it. And uh, uh, I can't remember her last name, but Audrey is her first name. Tattoo. Audrey Tattoo? No. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, I, yeah, Tattoo. I, I just think that was like the first time that there was like a story for me and visual. Um, it kind of took me into this world of like Holy Rollers, which I'm very excited because that guy also has a new movie coming out as well. A Holy um, Motors, yes. Yeah, um, so that kind of weird, super surreal kind of vibe, right? I saw Amelie, we both saw Amelie when it was released right after 9-11. And I was so overwhelmed by the the goodness of the story that mm-hmm. I completely melted down yeah. <laughs> in the screening. <laughs> Uh, Every- so that I have a, sp- a place in my heart for uh, Amelie, definitely. Yeah, and I, I still every time I stick my hand into like something that feels like beans, I think of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like dry beans. Don't worry. <laughs> no judgments here. Um, I think it's a it's a very charming movie, and I I think it it works best as a gateway drug to other kinds of French films. Yes. But if you've seen Holy Motors, then clearly you've opened that gate so yes absolutely yes um on the holy track a different direct uh, director um i have holy mountain by alejandro jordowski oh yeah um it's a fucked up uh crazy beautiful film i love the story behind how the film even happened um also from my understanding they a lot of it is them just taking drugs and going up on a mountain <laughs> and filming it <laughs> Yes. Um, <laughs> I really can't explain this film to everyone. I, I'm not entirely sure I understand the entire storyline of it, um, but it is absolutely beautiful. And he is a very strange but wonderful director. So that is definitely one of my favorites. Definitely from my heavy weed smoking days. The, um, uh, the existence of the Trip movie in the early 70s was... Uh, you know, a, a thing. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter if you can explain Holy Mountain, the fact that you experience it and you get to be sort of transported by its real, real true weirdness yeah. uh, is enough. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. Uh, Yodorovsky is one of my blind spots. I've still never seen one of his movies. That, so I, on I keep I uh, badgering say, him. Uh, yeah. Holy Mountain, I think is uh, ironically the most digestible for me, I've tried like <laughs> El Topo and other Not things. And I, I just get really lost because there is actual story that happens in a lot of the other ones. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember if it was El Topo or another one where it was shown in theaters and actually caused riots and people to like leave the theater in riots. Because <laughs> huh. um, it was El Topo. Blanking on which one that could have been. But yeah, I don't think it's, Topo, yeah. maybe. Um, so um, going in a completely different direction, I have uh, Christmas in Connecticut starring Barbara Stanwyck. Uh, hey, Alonzo. <laughs> why don't you... Uh, an old TCM classic. Or t- book that you wrote. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wrote a book a while back called uh, Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas. Uh, I am a big fan of the Christmas movie genre in general. Uh, mm-hmm. I love Christmas in Connecticut. It's uh, a great... Barbara Stanwyck has this run of movies where she's a terrible journalist, but it's really charming. Uh, uh, Frank Capra's Meet John Doe also leaps to mind. Um, but yeah, it's it it 
it, it's a it's a it's a wonderful film. It absolutely holds up. I'm shocked it hasn't been remade more times than it's been already. Right. And um, fun fact: uh, apparently, U.S. audiences were so beaten down by World War II that you could open a romantic comedy with a U.S. troop ship being sunk by a German U-boat with only two survivors. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and also I, the thing I love the most about it is the chaos and the franticness of everything. Because yeah. um, something about Barbara Stanwyck's frantic um, yes. <laughs> really speaks to me on a different level. Um, it is a literal door slamming farce. Yes, yeah. it's it's absolutely amazing. Um, so I've kind of lost track of what's going to be my top three, but. Uh, the next one I have on my list is uh, Bell Book and Candle with Kim Novak and Jimmy Stewart. Now, that's the one I haven't seen yet. So it's, go along. That is a movie that I always thought I would love and has been sort of pitched at me for years. And, you know, it's at a Christmas time and it's like it's Novak and Stewart the same year as Vertigo. And it's like kind of a proto bewitched thing where Jimmy Stewart is the Durwood and, uh, you know, Jack Lemon is maybe supposed to be Paul Lind. I don't know. Uh, there's a cat named Pie Wacket. And yes. yet I find this movie totally charmless <laughs> really <laughs> so you also have to approach it with the fact that i wanted to be a witch um and i was obsessed with sabrina and yeah but then couldn't you just watch like practical magic or something i couldn't get enough go. witch content <laughs> andy and this is one of the actual one of the two dvds i still own because i can't seem to find it streaming anywhere yeah, um, kind of disappear for all. If you've never seen uh, Renee Claire's "I Married a Witch" with Veronica oh, Lake, absolutely. I recommend that one. Okay, and the, and the bottle. There you go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so the other only DVD that I own um, is a movie called Shock Treatment, which is not <laughs> well, not the prequel, but it's the equal to Rocky Horror Picture. Show. <laughs> and I like it more than Rocky Horror Picture Show. I actually am not a huge fan of Rocky Horror, but I am a huge fan of Shock Treatment and I know every word to every song. I know people like you are out there. I have never seen it, so I, I abstain. The new wave um, gets a, a, a bad rap in Shock Treatment. And I, uh, I, I support any cult uh, weirdo cinema that has endured as long as it has and still finds itself hated as much as it is. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to give that one to you. Yeah. Well, and I'm also very interested. I found the script somehow of the third film slash play that was never done. Um, oh so oh it, it will be interesting to see if that ever sees the light of day, but I doubt it. Well, start um, a Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like uh, something, the Virgin Queen or the Alien Queen. I don't remember. Um, so um, the next one I have, which you kind of already mentioned, also Kim Novak and Jimmy Stewart is Vertigo. Um, probably it's actually the first Hitchcock film I ever saw. Mm. That's a perfect film. Yeah. That's a perfect film. Yeah. Um, here's why it's perfect. I took my mom to see it in 1990 whatever the year was that it got a reissue into theaters uh, at the North Park at the, at the North Park mall in Dallas. When back, back when there was the North Park one and two, there were only two screens and then the three and four on the other yeah. side of the highway. The, um, and we walked out of that movie and you can, you could always tell uh, that something was great when my mother would, would say as a, as a form of criticism, that mer that man was a sick pervert. <laughs> so so uh, she said that about Pablo Picasso, and she was right. And she said that about uh, Alfred Hitchcock, and she was right again. Uh, but she was wrong about how great Vertigo was. Yeah, uh, you could be a total sick pervert and make a perfect film, and he did. <laughs> I'm not part of the cult of Vertigo, but I acknowledge that it has a lot going for it, and I get why people love it. I just don't love it, but I'll give it to you. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, if I'm going to watch a Hitchcock film, it's either going to be Rear Window or Rope. Nice. Something Rope about the, the smallness of those movies is very appealing to me. Well, Rope is oh, also well, technically they... about two homosexuals. Oh, um, absolutely, yeah. Uh, you should try Dilem for Murder. That's also stuck in one apartment. But uh, I'm a notorious fan myself. Well, on also, the reason I kind of said 11, because 
I kind of uh, consider this, if Hitchcock was a series, this is another episode in the same series as Vertigo, but probably my absolute favorite um, Hitchcock film, which I don't think you're all going to agree with, but it inspired my drag name, and that's Marnie. Ooh, I love Marnie. I, I really, I'm into Marnie, yeah. That's a great one. And that, and speaking of perversions, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Poor Tippy. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, like it, I, I, I can't even like describe like how many times like I watched that movie and I was like, oh my god, I'm her, but I'm not. Now, her. when you do drag and your name is Marnie, do you come out and like spill red ink on a white blouse or something? I don't. She's more of a bondage queen, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, okay. Her full name is Marnie. There, <laughs> her full name is Marnie X Christ. I don't know where that came from. It just <laughs> a moment but it's the one that stayed there. And then I tried to rename her to Vera Van Wick, but we went back to Marnie Christ because that's what everybody knows. Um, going down my list here, I also have The Apartment with Jack Lemon and, oh, yeah. oh my God, I'm bringing, Shirley McLean. Shirley McLean. McLean, yes. Yeah. Uh, great movie, um, also a Christmas movie. Uh -huh. uh, also prompted the uh, Broadway musical Promises, Promises. But yeah, uh, one of the best uh, of the Billy Wilder screenplays and some of his best direction and a really uh, powerful film as a, as a rom-com, but also as a study of like, you know, the facelessness of corporate America. Uh -huh. uh, it's a great movie. I like sad things. <laughs> I like sad music. <laughs> I like sad movies. I like sad books. The Apartment is one of the saddest movies ever made, and and I find a I find a comfort in that. Yeah. Um, now in my my little top three here because these are definitely my top three, um, is one movie that I made Andy watch recently. Um, does not match any other movie on this list, but I still think it's amazing. And that's Josie and the Pussycats. <sighs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> we are big fans. Uh, I just feel like it's the greatest movie ever made to talk about consumer culture. No question. <laughs> that is no, absolutely, absolutely true. We, we were fans of that movie from the get-go, and I'm just glad the rest of the world finally caught up. Um, because you you go back and you read like Ebert and a lot of the original reviews are all like, ew, this product placement, what's going on? Bleh. Right. And it's like, oh, that's part of the movie. Yeah, that's, that's the, the point. <laughs> also, one of the greatest like like fake bands. Yes. Like, album. Like the songs are amazing, and I still right. listen to them. I I attended a 20th anniversary screening in uh, Los Angeles or 15th maybe mm -hmm. I forget now Whatever. but it was it was when they premiered the soundtrack on vinyl mm -hmm. and so not only were that. like the main cast members there and the writer director there but then Kate Hanley and the band who did the songs in the movie came out and did them all live wow one of the best nights of my life <laughs> I mean also like Rachel Lee Cook Tara Reid and Rosaria Dawson yeah yes 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 amazing um, I, I met Rachel Lee Cook for five seconds at, at Sundance once, and I, I told her that we were missing a Josie, some other anniversary screen that was happening in LA. And she looked at me and she said, du jour means assume crash positions. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe. Um, uh, so number two, I have a single man, Tom Ford's directing debut. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Mm -hmm. Mostly like because it's really pretty. Um, it and it's a very interesting, like, uh, all across time kind of timeline story. Um, and Julianne Moore mm. um, is amazing. And believe it or not, I found those pink cigarettes and I smoked them for a good Whoa. year. Are those Dunhills? They're uh, they are um, Nat Sherman Fantasias. You have to buy all of the colors. And what I would do is buy a pack Whoa. and save the pink ones until I had a full pack of pink ones. So you get about two a pack. I didn't know they were real things. They're real. Yeah. Um, that movie's gorgeous to look at. I mean, you really get a sense of Tom Ford being a designer mm -hmm. uh, in, in that film. The period detail is, is impeccable. Um, and again, I love a sad movie and it's really sad. <laughs> 
and i like i like nocturnal animals more than a lot of people do i think i i agree with you you do like it more than a lot of people <laughs> i have me. not seen it believe it or not oh, you meant nocturnal animals as in a movie because i thought you just meant like the owls actual animal. And... <laughs> <laughs> where's the love for the gecko no uh <laughs> it's tom ford's other movie <laughs> So my number one absolutely positively favorite film of all time, anytime I start dating someone, I'm like, you have to make it through this movie. And if you don't like it, we have to break up. Um, That is a good movie. But no, (laughs) it's um, The Haunting, the 60s version, not the crappy Catherine Zeta-Jones version. Yeah. Uh, I, I first of all respect the the litmus test because that saves everybody a lot of time. Uh, yeah, the haunting is great. It, it's one of the one of the most brilliantly atmospheric, terrifying movies where you don't see anything, but it scares the crap out of you anyway. Yes, yeah, yep. I think that's why I love it. Like everything is so like like it, it it is. It's just the atmosphere and the air and and the idea that everything is around you and not to get you, but like. You never see anything. And um, what's her crazy pants? Uh, Julie name? Harris. Uh, I'm sorry? Julie Harris? Julie Harris. Uh, she's uh, amazingly crazy. Um, and my dog was almost named Theo, um, which everyone was like, that's a boy's name. And I was like, no, 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 no. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you something. You you tell them when they say that to you ever again. Uh-huh. Um, I had a great, 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 great grandmother whose name was Theodosia. Mm. And everyone called her Theo. Yeah. Also, Claire Bloom is lesbianing so hard in that movie. It's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's, that that, that's my list. Okay, so what's his score? Uh, well, I've been, t- I've been keeping track here. Okay, great. We agree on, Alonzo and I agree on Amelie. Alonzo's going to give you Holy Mountain because he hasn't seen it. Yeah. Christmas in Connecticut. Belbuck and Candle, Alonzo doesn't like it. And that's another one that I haven't seen. So uh, other than that, the uh, the rest of them we all agree on. So you are 90%, 90, 95. Knife. You're 95% knife. Yeah. That is correct. Ooh. We get real we get real specific with the math. He's so knifey. I know. Who who would have thunk? Me and this little <laughs> old brain. <laughs> I watch things. Yeah. yeah. You didn't have a single one on your list that we like, you know, despise and think less of you for enjoying. Right. So. I, and I'll be honest, there's probably like 20, 30 more. Like I could like keep going because yep. like I, there's ones that I like, I'm like, I have to watch this once. And like, that is the experience that I have to have with it. Right. And then there's some that I'll watch over and over, like the haunting um or the apartment or you know christmas in connecticut every year i watch that over it's a wonderful life because to me it's a wonderful life is depressing um i'm a well, white christmas right bitch about that. you're right <laughs> no. about that it is depressing i was like yeah. it's a wonderful was, life puts you through it before you get to that happy ending yeah i was like i'm not here for a struggle you know <laughs> <laughs> i love your uh idea of the litmus test as well because yeah. Back in the early, early 90s when I was still living in Texas, before I met uh, my husband here, uh, I met this guy who, you know what? Instant <laughs> attraction. He was like this 6'3", just built like the side of a barn, kind of football-sized person. And uh, I showed him Eraserhead because I thought, we're just going to cut to the chase. Yeah, see, I didn't even get into any of my like Lynch stuff, but Eraserhead's on there. We didn't um, last very long. <laughs> yeah, this guy's favorite movies were Funny Girl and The Bodyguard. Which I, I respect which the are Funny fine Girl. Films. I respect Funny Girl and I respect the Bodyguard soundtrack. <laughs> you need more than two films in your life. And he did not have more than two films. Yeah. So uh, before we let y'all go, I want to ask y'all a question that I'm uh, trying to make the seminal question of this podcast since it is Homo's Modern Life. Yeah, uh, and all of us here are homosexuals. Uh, I, I mean, I assume I, you know, I don't want to assume anything about your married relationships. What? <laughs> uh, but other than, I guess, being married to to a man and you know having romantic relationships with men, what is the gayest thing about you? Hmm. <laughs> and I, you know, it. it 
something uh they can be as simple or uh, or abstract or as on the nose as you want it to be i am heavily featured in the dvd extras of the first release of valley of the dolls i love that That, that's true i've forgotten all about that (laughs) heavily featured in the dvd extras of valley of the dolls the the thing about like gay stuff um is that when i say the things that i think should signify that i'm gay people will say to me yeah but anybody could do that you know so like i'm a really proficient baker you know um gay i am happy i am happiest when I have successfully created a cake from scratch and then my friends come over and they eat that cake. Um, the uh, You like a fancy candle. And, and so I was, that's where I was going next. You see, I like, <laughs> I like, a, I like a fancy uh, high-end candle and oh, 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 I know. I subscribe to Vogue magazine. There oh, we go. Because I, I think women's fashion, men's fashion is boring to me. I mean, because everything in my closet is from L.L. Bean. <laughs> and so essentially I'm a lesbian. But the uh, uh, women's fashion, I think, is, is, is art. And yeah. it, 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 it makes me happy to see what's happening in the world uh, 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 in, 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 that, in that arena of culture. Yeah. Don't, don't get me started on Alexander McQueen. The not, <laughs> right. not Sarah's documentary version oh yes of course i saw the documentary i cried on a plane what a fucking good movie that is yeah yeah um but yeah and i would also say you know anyone can bake but what makes baking for you the gayest thing about you is you don't enjoy baking you enjoy the pomp and circumstance of baking yeah (laughs) yes i like i like the presentation at the end Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I like everyone to tell me how great I am while they're eating. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, hopefully we can put all of the gayest things from all of our guests into a March Madness style bracket someday. <laughs> and when that happens, I wish you well. Yeah. <laughs> or or we're going to create the ultimate gay individual. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Like Professor X. Yes. Like Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can find me at Homo's Modern Life. And you can follow me at Andy from Boy Story. Gentlemen, where can they find you on socials? Uh, well, uh, you can follow the show at Linoleum Cast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm at A Duralde, A D U R A L D E, uh, on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. And uh, Dave is at D Leland White, D L E L A N D W H I T E. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram. My middle name is Leland, and that's the, the, the part that people always have trouble spelling. So, yeah. I love it. Why am I thinking Leland Palmer? What is that from? Uh, Twin Peaks. Weeks. That's why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you again so much. Thanks um, for having us. Yeah, I this was a blast. Awesome. Well, have a good night. Fare thee well, my children. Sleep tight. If you're listening to this to go to bed, that's a choice for us. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry that I'm the last thing you're about to hear. This has been a Homo's Modern Life production. Thanks for listening. If you want more, check out our sister show, HML Political Hookup, at HML Political Hookup on Instagram. If you want to see what we're up to, you can visit our website, homosmodernlife.com. And if you want to get in touch, you can reach out to us at homosmodernlife at gmail.com. And don't forget, you can cover your body with our merch at HML Shop on Instagram. If you're feeling generous, you can send us a cash tip on Venmo at homosmodernlife. Or send us a cash tip on Cash App, dollar sign homosmodernlife. Fare thee well. <laughs>